Hello everyone, my name is Shreya, and let's read Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. In the last episode, we read Chapter 2, The Vanishing Glass. In this episode, we will be reading Chapter 3, The Letters from No One. Hope you enjoy reading this chapter. Let's begin. Chapter 3, The Letters from No One. The escape of the Brazilian boa constructor earned Harry his longest ever punishment. By the time he was allowed out of his cupboard again, the summer holidays had started and Dudley had already broken his new sign camera, crashed his remote control airplane, and first time on his racing bike, knocked down old Mrs. Fig as she crossed Privet Drive on her crutches. Harry was glad school was over, but there was no escaping Dudley's gang who visited the house every single day. Piers, Dennis, Malcolm, and Gordon were all big and stupid. But as Dudley was the biggest and stupidest of the lot, he was the leader. The rest of them were qu all quite happy to join in Dudley's favorite sport, Harry hunting. This was why Harry spent as much time as possible out of the house, wandering around and thinking about the end of the holidays where he could see a tiny ray of hope. When September came, he would be going off to secondary school. And for the first time in his life, he wouldn't be with Dudley. Dudley had a place at Uncle Vernon's old school, Smeltings. Piers Polkis was going there too. Harry, on the other hand, was going to Stonewall High, the local comprehensive. Dudley thought this was very funny. They Stuff people's head down the toilet first day at Stonewall, he told Harry. Want to come upstairs and practice? No, thanks, said Harry. The poor toilet's never had anything horrible as your head down it. It might be sick. Then he ran before Dudley could work out what he said. One day in July, Aunt Petunia took Dudley to London to buy his small tanks uniform, leaving Harry at Mrs. Fix. Mrs. Fix wasn't as bad as usual. It turned out that she'd broken her leg tripping over one of her cats, and she didn't seem quite fond of them as before. She let Harry watch television and gave her a bit of chocolate cake that tasted as though she had for several years. That evening, Dudley paraded around the living room for his family to in his brand new uniform. Smelting's boys wore maroon tailcoats, orange knickerbockers, and a flat straw hats called boatsters. They also carried knobbly sticks, used for hitting each other while the teachers weren't looking. This was supposed to be good training for later life. As he looked at Dudley in his new knickerbockers, Uncle Vernon said gruffly that he it was the proudest moment of his life. Aunt Petunia burst into tears, and she couldn't believe it was her ickle Dudleykins. He looked so handsome and grown up. Harry didn't trust himself to speak. He thought two of his ribs might already have cracked from trying not to laugh. There was a horrible smell in the kitchen the next morning when Harry went in for breakfast. It seemed to be coming from a large metal tub in the sink. He went to have a look. The tub was full of what looked like dirty rags swimming in gray water. 
What's this? He asked Aunt Virginia. Her lips tightened as they always did if he dared to ask a question. Your new school uniform, she said. Harry looked in the bowl again. Oh, he said. I didn't realize it had to be so wet. Don't be stupid, snapped Aunt Petunia. I'm dying some of Dudley's old things great for you. It'll look like just when everyone else is when I finished. Harry seriously doubted this. Best thought to argue. He sat down at the table and tried not to think about how he was going to look on his first day of Stonewall High. Like he was wearing bits of old elephant skin, probably. Dudley and Uncle Vernon came in, both with wrinkled noses because of the smell from his new uniform. Uncle Vernon opened his newspaper, as usual, and Dudley banged his smelling thin stick, which he carried everywhere, on the table. They heard the click of a letterbox of the flop of letters on the doormat. Get the post, Dudley, said Uncle Vernon from behind his paper. Make Harry get it. Get the post, Harry. Make Dudley get it. Poke him with your smelting stick, Dudley. Harry dodged this smelting's tick and went to get the post. Three things lay on the doormat. A postcard from Uncle Vernon's sister Marge, who was holidaying on the Isle of Wright. A brown envelope that looked like a bill. And a letter for Harry. Harry picked it up and stared at it. His heart twanging like a giant elastic band. No one ever in his whole life had written to him. Who would? He had no friends, no other relatives. He didn't belong to the library, so he'd never even got rude notes for asking for books back. Yet here he it was, a letter addressed so plainly that there could be no mistake. Mr. H. Potter, the cupboard under the stairs, for a private dive, bill ringing, sorry. The envelope was thick and heavy, made of yellowish parchment. The address was written in emerald green ink. There was no stamp. Turning the envelope over, his hands trembling, Harry saw a purple wax seal bearing a coat of arms, a lion, an eagle, a badger, and a snake, surrounded by the letter H. Hurry up, boy, shouted Uncle Vernon from the kitchen. What are you doing checking for letter bombs? He chuckled with his own joke. Harry went back to the kitchen, still staring at his letter. He handed Uncle Vernon the bill and the postcard, sat down, and slowly began to open the yellow envelope. Uncle Vernon ripped open the bill, snorted in disgust, and flipped over the postcard. Mardizil, he informed on Petunia, ate a funny whelk. Dad, said Dudley suddenly, Dad, Harry's got something. Harry was on the point of unfolding his letter, which was written on the same heavy parchment as the envelope. When... It was jerked sharply out of his hand by Uncle Vernon. That's mine, said Harry, trying to snatch it back. Who'd be writing to you, sneered Uncle Vernon, shaking the letter open. In one hand, at glancing it, his face went from red to green, faster than a set of traffic lights. And it didn't stop there. Within seconds, it was grayish white of old Porsche. But Petunia, he gasped. Dudley tried to grab the letter and read it, but Uncle Vernon held it out of his reach. Aunt Petunia took it curiously and read the first line. For a moment, it looked like she might faint. She clutched her throat 
and make it talking. Vernon! Oh my god, Vernon! They stared at each other, seemed to have forgotten that Harry and Dudley were still in the room. Dudley wasn't used to being ignored. He gave his father a sharp tap on the head with his smelting stick. I want to read the letter, he said loudly. I want to read it, said Harry fiercely, as it is mine. Get out, both of you, croaked Uncle Vernon, stuffing the letter back in the envelope. Harry didn't move. I want my letter, he shouted. Let me see it. Out, roared Uncle Vernon, and he took both Harry and Dudley by the scurfs of their necks and threw them into the hall, slamming the do kitchen door behind them. Harry and Dudley promptly had a furious but silent fight over who would listen at the keyhole. Dudley won, so Harry, his glasses dangling from one ear, lay flat on his stomach to listen at the cracked door between the door and the floor. Vernon, and Petunia was saying in a quivering voice, Look at the actress. How could they possibly know where he sleeps? You don't think they're watching the house, watching, spying, might be following us, muttered Uncle Vernon Whiteley. But what should we do, Vernon? Should we ride back? Tell them we don't want... Harry could see Uncle Vernon's shiny black shows pacing up and down. No, we'll, no, we'll ignore it. If they don't get an answer, yes, that's the best. We won't do anything. But I'm not having one in the house, Petunia. Didn't we swear we, when we took him, and we'd stamp out the dangerous nonsense? That evening, when he got back from work, Uncle Vernon did something he'd never had done before. He visited Harry in the cupboard. Where's my letter? said Harry, the moment Uncle Vernon had squeezed through the door. Who's writing to me? No one. It was addressed by you to you by a mistake, said Uncle Vernon shortly. I have burned it. It was not a mistake, said Harry angrily. It had my cupboard on it. Silence, yelled Uncle Vernon. My car started as fell from the ceiling. He took a few deep breaths and then forced his face into a smile, which looked quite painful. Uh, yes, Harry, about this cupboard, your aunt and I have been thinking, you're getting a big big for it. We think it's really nice if we moved into Dudley's second bedroom. Why? said Harry. Don't ask questions, snapped his uncle. Take the stuff in upstairs now. The Dudley's house had four bedrooms, one for Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia, one for visitors, usually Uncle Vernon's sister Marge, one for Dudley slept, and one where Dudley kept all the toys and things that wouldn't fit in his first bedroom. He only took Harry one trip upstairs to move everything he owned from the cupboard to this room. He sat on the bed and stared around him. Nearly everything here was broken. The month-old sign camera was lying on the top of a small working tank that Lee had once driven over next door stock. In the corner was Dudley's first ever television set, which he put his foot through when his favorite program had been canceled. There was a large bird cage which had once had held a parrot that Dudley had swapped at school for a real air rifle, which was up on a shelf with the end all bent because Dudley had sat on it. Other shelves were full of books. They were the only things in the room that looked as they never been touched. From downstairs came the sound of Dudley bawling at his mother. I don't want him in there. I need that room. I can get out. 
Harry sighed and stretched out of the bed. Yes, he'd, he'd have given anything up to be here. Today he'd rather be back in his cupboard with the, that letter than up here without it. Next morning at breakfast, everyone was rather quiet. Dudley was in shock. He screamed, whacked his father with his smelting stick, being sick on purpose, kicked his mother and thrown his toe ties through the greenhouse roof, and he still didn't want, didn't have his room back. Harry was thinking about this time yesterday and bitterly wishing he'd opened the letter in the hall. Uncle Vernon and Aunt kept looking at each other darkly. When the post arrived, Uncle Vernon, who seemed to be trying to be nice to Harry, made Dudley go and get it. They heard him banging with, with the stomach stick at the way down to the hall. Then he shouted, There's another one, Mr. H. Potter, the smallest bedroom, full private drive. With a strangled cry, Uncle Vernon leapt from his seat and ran down to the hall. Harry ran behind him. Uncle Vernon had to wrestle Dudley to the ground to get the letter from him, which was made difficult by the fact that Harry had grabbed Uncle Vernon around the neck from behind. After a minute of confused fighting, in which everyone got a hit by the smelting stick, Uncle Vernon straightened up, gasping for breath, with Harry's letter clenched in his hand. Go to your cupboard. I need your bedroom. He wheezed at Harry Dudley. Go. Just go. Harry walked around the round his new room. Someone knew he had moved out of his cupboard, and they seemed to know he hadn't received the first letter. Surely that meant that they tried again, and this time he made sure they didn't fail. He had a plan. The repaired arm clock rang at six o'clock the next morning. Harry turned it off quickly and dressed silently. He mustn't break the jersey. He stole downstairs without turning on any of the lights. He was going to wait for the postman around the corner of Privet Drive and get the letters from number four first. His heart hammered as he crept across the dark hall towards the front. Harry leapt into the air. He trodden on something big and squishy on the doormat. Something alive. Lights flicked on upstairs, and to his horror, Harry realized that a big, squashy something had been his uncle's face. Uncle Vernon had been lying on the floor in front of the door in his sleeping bag, clearly making sure that Harry didn't do exactly what he'd been trying to do. He shouted at Harry for about an hour, and then told him to go and make a cup of tea. Harry shuffled miserably off into the kitchen, and by the time he got back, the post had arrived, right into Uncle Vernon's lap. Harry could see three letters addressed in green ink. I won't, he began, but Uncle Vernon was tearing the pieces, letters into pieces before his eyes. Uncle Vernon didn't go to work that day. He stayed at home and nailed up the letter box. See, he explained to Aunt Petunia. Say the mouthful. If they can't deliver the, them, they'll just give up. I'm not sure that'll work, Vernon. Oh, these people's minds work in strange ways, Petunia. They're not like you and me, said Uncle Vernon, trying to knock an, a nail of, with a piece of fruit cake Aunt Petunia had just brought him. On Friday, no fewer than 12 letters arrived for Harry. As they couldn't go through the mailbox, 
They had been pushed under the door, slaughtered through the sides, and a few even forced through the small window in the downstairs toilet. Uncle Vernon stayed at home again. After burning all the letters, he got a hammer and nails and boarded up the cracks around the front door and the back door so that no one can get out. He hummed tiptoe through the tulips as he worked and jumped at a small noise. On Saturday, things began to get out of hand. Twenty-four letters to Harry found their way into the house, rolled up and hidden inside each one of two dozen eggs. That their very confused milkman had handed Aunt Petunia the, the living room window. While Uncle Vernon made furious telephone calls to the post office and the dairy trying to find someone to complain to, Aunt Petunia shredded the letters in the her fruit mixer. Who on earth wants to talk to you this badly? Dudley asked Harry in amazement. On Sunday morning, Uncle Vernon sat down at the breakfast table, looking tired and rather ill, but happy. No post on Sundays, reminded them happily as he spread marmalade on his newspapers. No damn letters on today. Something came whizzing down the kitchen chimney as he spoke and caught him sharply on the back of his head. Next moment, 30 or 40 letters came tossing out of the fireplace like bullets. The Dursleys ducked, but Harry kept into the air and trying to catch one. Out! Out! Uncle Vernon seized Harry around his waist and threw him into the hall. While Aunt Petunia and Dudley had ran out with their arms over their faces, Uncle Vernon slammed the door shut. They could hear the letters still streaming into the room, bouncing off the walls and floor. That does it, said Uncle Vernon, trying to speak calmly, but putting great tufts out of his mustache at the same time. I want you all back here in five minutes, ready to leave. We're going away. Just pack some clothes. No arguments. He looked so dangerous with his hat his mustache missing that no one dared to argue. Ten minutes later, they had wrenched their way through the, the boarded up doors and were in the car, speeding towards the motorway. Dudley was sniffling in the back seat. His father had hit him round the head for holding them up while he tried to pack his television, video, and computer in his sports bag. They drove and drove. Even Aunt Patina didn't dare ask him where they were going. Even now, and then Uncle Vernon would take a sharp turning in the drive, the opposite direction, for a while. Shake him off, shake him off, he would mutter whenever he did this. They didn't stop to drink or eat all day. By nightfall, Dudley was howling. He'd never had such a bad day in his life. He was hungry. He missed five television programs he wanted to see, and he'd never gone so long without blowing up an alien on his computer. Uncle Vernon stopped at last outside the gloomy-looking hotel on outskirts of Big City. Dudley and Harry shared a room with twin beds, a damp, musty sheets. Dudley snored, but Harry's still awake, sitting on the window, staring down at the light, passing cars, and wondering. They ate stale cornflakes and cold tinned tomatoes on toast for breakfast next day. They had just finished when the owner of the hotel came to their table. Excuse me, but as one of you, Mr. H. Potter, only I got about hundreds of these on my front desk. She held up 
a letter so that they could read in the green ink address. Harry made a grab for the letter, but Red Uncle Vernon knocked his minister. I'll take them, said Uncle Vernon, standing up quickly and following her to the from the dining room. Wouldn't it just be better to go home, dear? Aunt Petunia suggested timidly hours later, but Uncle Vernon didn't seem to know her, hear her. Exactly what he was looking for, none of them knew. He drove into the middle of the forest, got out, looked around, shook his head, got back in the car, and off they went again. The same thing happened in the middle of plowed field, halfway across the sunfession bridge, at the top of the multi-story car park. Daddy's gone mad, hasn't he? Dudley asked Aunt Petunia dully late that afternoon. Uncle Vernon had parked at a coast, locked them inside the car, and disappeared. It started to rain. Great drops beat on the roof of the car. Dudley snivelled. It's Monday, he told his mother. The great Humberto's on tonight. I want to stay somewhere with the television. Monday. This reminded us of something. If it was one day, and you could count, count on Dudley to know the days of the week because of television, then tomorrow, Tuesday, was Harry's 11th birthday. Of course, his birthdays were n- never exactly fun. Last year, the Dursleys had given him a coat hanger and a pair of Ver- Uncle Vernon's old socks. Still, you weren't 11 every day. Uncle Vernon was back, and he was smiling. He was also carrying a long, thin package that didn't answer Aunt Petunia when she asked what he had bought. Found the perfect place, he said. Come on, everyone out. It was cold outside the car. Uncle Vernon was pointing at what looked like a large rock way out in sea. Perched on the top of rocks was the most miserable shot he could imagine. One thing was certain. There was no television in there. Storm forecast for tonight, said Uncle Vernon gleefully. Clipped his hands together, and this gentleman's kindly agreed to lend us his boot. A toothless old man came ambling up to them, pointing with a rather wicked grin at an old rowing boat bobbing in the iron-gray water below them. I've already got us some rations, said Uncle Vernon. So all aboard. It was freezing in the boat. Icy sea spare and rain crept down their necks, and a chilly wind whipped their faces. After what seemed like hours, they reached the rock where Uncle Vernon, slipping and sliding, led the way to the broken-down house. The inside was horrible. It smelled strongly of seaweed. The wind whistling through the gaps of the wood walls, and the fireplace was damp and empty. There was only two rooms. Uncle Vernon's rations turned out to be a packet of crisps and each and four bananas. He tried to start a fire, but the empty crisp packet just smoked and shriveled up. Could do with some of those letters now, eh? He said cheerfully. He was in a very good mood. Obviously, he thought that nobody stood the chance of reaching him in the storm delivery post. Harry privately agreed, though he thought it didn't cheer up all. As the night fell, the promised storm blew up around them. Spray from the high waves spattered through the walls of the hut, and a fierce wind rattled the filthy windows. Aunt Petunia found a few moldy blankets in the second room and made up a bed for Dudley on the most eaten sofa. She and Uncle Vernon went off to the lumpy bed next door and Harry 
was left to find the softest bit of floor he could and curl up the thinnest, most ragged blanket. The storm raged more and more furiously as the night went on. Harry couldn't sleep. He shivered and turned over, trying to get comfortable, his stomach rumbling with hunger. Dudley's snores were drowned by the low rolls of thunder that started near midnight. The lighted dial of Dudley's watch, which was dangling over the edge of the sofa on his fat wrist, told Harry he'd be eleven in ten minutes' time. He lay and watched his birthday tick nearer, wondering if the Dursleys would remember at all, wondering where the letters writer was now. Five minutes to go. Harry heard something creak outside. He hoped the roof wasn't going to fall in. Maybe he might be warmer if it did. Four minutes to go. Maybe the house in the privet drive will be so full of letters that when they got back, they'd be able to see one somehow. Three minutes to go. Was that the sea slapping so hard on the rocks like that? And two minutes to go. What was that funny crunching noise? Was the rock crumbling into the sea? One minute to go, and he'd been eleven. Thirty seconds... Twenty, ten, nine. Maybe he'd wake up Dudley up just to annoy him. Three, two, one. Boom! The whole shack shivered, and Harry sat bold upright, staring at the door. Someone was outside, knocking to come in. Thank you so much for listening to me read Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, Chapter 3, The Letters from No One. Thank you for listening to me read this chapter. Hope you enjoyed. Thank you, and bye.